On today's episode of the Final Third Podcast, we talk about women's international football from CONCACAF to CAF to UEFA. We talk about all the tournaments happening there. We talk about transfers like Zinchenko to Arsenal, as well as a multitude of different things, trivia, our hot takes, everything. It's a jam-packed episode, so leave a review if you liked it. And that means a lot to us, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. It is Monday. It is our news and predictions episode. My name is AJ Tabura. I'm a fan of West Ham United, which uh, pretty happy with some recent developments going on there. Minnesota United, which also very happy about the developments going on there. And the U.S. national teams, which uh, same thing. Not going to repeat the same thing three times. And I'm joined by... Uh, the biggest fan of Everton's demise, Jack. Jack, how are you doing today? Uh, good. I have been busy the past half yes, of the you week. Have. In St. Louis, uh, huh? Yeah, in St. Louis. Not for St. Louis City 2, uh, but for an academic conference. I presented a paper that, I pu- that I'm hopefully going to get published eventually. And uh, so that's why there was no Wednesday or Thursday episode. Yes. You know, uh, because I was off in St. Louis, where it was over 100 degrees, talking about political statistics for three days. That yeah. That's it. And I'm a fan of Minnesota United, who I did get to watch them destroy Everton. Was a big fan of that. Uh, and I'm a big fan of Chelsea. I thankfully didn't watch the friendly yesterday. Uh, Four to zero, huh? Yeah. Jesus scored, too. That's crazy. Yeah, he did. He really did. Uh and I'm also a fan of Atlanta. They they won a friendly yesterday, so there we go. True. Uh, and I'm also a fan of the U.S. and French national teams. I wish I got to see the French women's team uh, in the Euros against uh, Belgium. Uh, not Belgium. Netherlands. Netherlands. God. Yeah. I am still tired from That's traveling. Okay. And I uh, did not get to see it because I was on a plane while they were playing. Mm-hmm. So I unfortunately did not get to see that. But on to the semifinals for them. Yeah, very, very exciting. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, full disclosure, we are going to go to Chicago this weekend, so we'll be seeing uh, some more soccer, and hopefully, you know, to keep things transparent, we have an episode next Monday. I'm sure we'll record there in Chicago. We'll figure uh, out something. It sh- should be fun. Uh, also, keep an eye out on the Women's Sports Matter uh, Twitter, because we, we might be doing some stuff, uh, at, at least like collaborating with them a little bit while they are at uh, the Red Stars game with us. So that should be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I'm very excited to watch some soccer. (laughs) We'll we'll be watching a baseball game there as well Mm -hmm. uh, and doing a lot of fun things there, eating some good food. So I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited for the drive, though. I that's definitely my least favorite part about going to Chicago. Yeah. Airfare is airfare is way more expensive though. So that, that that is very true. Yeah, that is very true. So, so because I'd rather be doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Jack, if people want to keep keep an eye out or keep a keep an ear out, also if they want to keep updated on our episodes about our Chicago trip, where can they find us on social media? They can find us on Twitter at Final Third Show. We post on there, uh, and you can keep up on there. Who knows? Maybe if we get bored during that, we can do a Twitter live. Yeah. Who, who knows who or Twitter space, whatever uh, it is, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe 
that but that's why you got to follow the twitter to find out <laughs> that's why you got to follow the twitter uh you, you get to uh, see us tweet about everton getting destroyed 4-0 by minnesota united that was a lot of fun and it was nice to be uh in, in in national news for good reasons and even international we got a lot of people talking about us i, I liked going to like uh the everton fan tv you know like the on the youtube <laughs> channels of everton see them like freaking out over a friendly and i was like it's like doesn't really mean anything but yeah. it doesn't mean it's not funny it's very yeah. very funny uh i will say watching everton's uh fan reddit meltdown uh, yes, one, a, part, a part of my paper actually is doing sentiment analysis on Reddit posts to create polls uh, on local subreddits for like cities. So I did the same thing for Everton. Uh, and uh, man, there is a lot of a lot of anger, about 10 times the amount of anger as positivity on there, which nice. sounds Makes about sense. right. Yeah. Uh, also, a lot of fear. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of fear. <laughs> a lot of fear. <laughs> uh also a lot of not fear not anger but sadness uh minnesota aurora uh, the women's the uslw league women's team the minnesota sports curse remains yes uh that jack and i both support uh was in the final for the inaugural uslw league final or season uh my girlfriend and i went to the game and it was a beautiful night out we thought it was gonna storm but the the, the skies cleared up a couple hours before the game uh, but they lost, unfortunately, to South Georgia Tormenta. Very good team. Uh, just to, to run it through, because I, I know we do have a lot of women's soccer fans, especially for these episodes where we're talking a lot about international games. Uh, but Jada Nivey scored early for Tormenta. And then, if you haven't seen this, you got to watch it. Uh, it's the Addie Simmons goal from way, way Beautiful downtown. Goal. I the, the reaction when that went in was second to none in the stadium. Uh <laughs> and then in extra time we are already there late it was like 9 30 we got a penalty due to a handball and uslw league golden glove winner sydney martinez uh, american Deserved, to be fair yeah american <laughs> athletic athletic conference goalkeeper of the year as well saved the penalty she was amazing the entire game and after that the momentum was just in their hands and jade and ivy scored a winner off of a kind of ticky tacky goal so very very sad to see them lose especially with a, a sold out record crowd uh but honestly tormenta was undoubtedly the, the, the best team in this tournament and especially in this game like i i always say when it comes down to lower division leagues and games the winner is whichever team can handle those second balls the best like yes you, you you might intercept the ball you might get the ball but can you keep possession and if you keep possession can you do something quickly and south georgia was just tearing us up in that sense like controlling everything controlling the momentum and even when we had the chance it was a lone cross that just went into the hands of sydney martinez who dominated the box so sad but it was a great season, nonetheless, and a, a, a great uh, inaugural season for Aurora. Very proud. All right, Jack, let's talk a little bit more about women's soccer as well as some other soccer stories. Because it is Monday. It means that we're going to talk about the biggest news stories on and off the field in the world of soccer. Starting, Jack, with the new segment that we do, Hot Take of the Week. I'll hand it to you, Jack. What is your 
hot take of the week. Hopefully something soccer related, but I guess I never set the rules so you can say whatever you want. Uh, if it was about anything, it would be about Marvel because some big news on that. Uh, but that's that's for a different podcast. <laughs> that's, an, that's another that's podcast. For a different podcast. Yeah. Uh, but my soccer related one was originally going to be that Gerard Romero's fraud, but there's no evidence to back that up except for it's true. Not really, but, you know, I got to protect the true, legality. True. Uh, but uh, yeah, upset with him. But my real one is related to U.S. soccer. OK, it's that Minnesota United look like a legitimate contender for the MLS Cup. And wow, that, that that's a hot take, Jack. It, I appreciate you so much for saying that. It does sound like a hot take. And the reason why I'm saying this, I, I so Minnesota United have played pretty well. We alluded to that in the beginning of this. But this is the this is the stat. Minnesota United have collected 16 points from its last six games. Haven't lost in six games. And that is the most Minnesota has ever taken in a six-match stretch in its history. They've won three away games in a row for the first Mm -hmm. time in their franchise history in MLS. Yeah, exactly. And it goes above that. In the form table, they are top of the league. They Mm -hmm. are really doing amazing right now. And I think that they the way that they have looked for a while has made them look so much better. And with other teams falling down like... Seattle, who have not looked even close to an MLS Cup contender, right? Uh, I, I don't think that's a hot, as hot of a take right now, but uh, they they have looked pretty impressive against some opposition that has been maybe a little bit more stubborn, but, you know, they, they've taken on some impressive opposition. They, they did end up beating, uh, I think the best one was against RSL. That was a good win. Uh, beating L.A. Galaxy away from home for, uh, you know, I, I don't think we have we beat them away from home before that game. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think beating I, Vancouver I, yeah. after going down originally battling back for that uh, beating D.C. United in impressive fashion, uh, beating Houston. And also, while it is a friendly and they don't necessarily mean a ton, beating Everton four to zero and three to zero in the first half when Everton was playing legitimately their first their premier lineup like you could you looked at that first team i i think that is their team that's going into the opening game of the premier league in it absent any signings right uh, so yeah i i'd probably agree with that so that's that's pretty impressive minnesota united have looked so impressive since the end of june so for this past month they're developing a ton of momentum and e- despite injuries to you know, a lot of players. Reynoso, Amaria, uh, ha- like all all of our <laughs> midfield trap. All of uh, our, mi- yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we we've persevered through it and done pretty well. Like uh, Kibanguchi played in midfield uh, yesterday. Yeah, first start was looked pretty good on, on on things. Maybe a little bit shaky, but first MLS start, you can expect that. But I really think Minnesota United. I'm I, I'm 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 not saying for a fact like I think they're going to win the MLS Cup because I know what happens when you say that about a Minnesota sports team. But I feel like they look out of the West. They look like one of the prime contenders to make MLS Cup uh, along with like, you know, LAFC uh, is is the key other one that I, that I think. But I think Minnesota United are really are looking like a solid team, which is wild compared to where 
we started this season, honestly. Jack, I'll disagree with you on this. Okay. And I, I, I have I have three points. Number I have one, a feeling I know one of them, but number one, uh, I'll, I'll, my, my, my first point is a question, I suppose. Jack, mm-hmm. how many of those teams that we've beaten on this un- unbeaten run that we've had since the, the end of June are currently playoff teams? Um, yeah, one, one. but, but still you can only beat what's in front of you. You're right. You, hey, you're absolutely <laughs> correct, Jack. You're absolutely correct that you can only beat what's in front of you, even if what's in front of you is a coachless DC United, uh, a, 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 a DP list, a sporting Casey who you don't even beat a, a Vancouver team that has historically been very bad to the point where their their head coach has publicly lambasted the, their team's form especially after this past weekend they lost pretty badly to the chicago fire of all teams and then you have two to three wins over la galaxy and rsl where they completely tore us up in the second half to almost uh come back and win and a, a two to one win over houston you know i think i think that, that might be most impressive because we didn't have you know reynoso and amaria mm-hmm. for most of the game but despite that before rsl the only current the the last current playoff team that we have faced was nycfc that was at home they shut us out at the end of may so there hasn't been a real test for minnesota united since then and you look at the next couple weeks in the schedule and i'm really interested to see how we stack up against portland against nashville against austin fc who i think is the second best third best team in the the league right now third to only okay. uh uh lafc nycfc and uh philadelphia well that that, that means they're fourth I, i'd put them over <laughs> philadelphia uh, really uh, you're putting them above the top in the east i'm i'm putting over the top of the east i i think nyc uh, nycfc are the better team compared to philadelphia and you can look at points per game for that okay that's my first point my All second right. point Jack, we are as close to second place as we are to ninth place in the West. This mm-hmm. is a very tough, tough West team, a yeah. West Western Conference. That doesn't mean that we can't be in the upper echelons, but that also means that if we run into a bad patch of form, suddenly we're in sixth place, suddenly we're in fifth place come the end of the season, and we don't have home field advantage going to the playoffs, MLS Cup is a lot, a lot further than you would think because of how close the West is. And number three, I still feel like a lot of the reasons why we succeed and why we fail are still there. I, I To his credit, I felt like Heath had a lot of good adjustments in the Houston game. But still, you, you look at what has caused our success or caused our failure. Jack, when you look in the past couple of games, barring the Houston game, Half of our wins and half of our positive results come when and only when Reynoso is also on the score sheet. And this Houston game is the first data point that we've had, like this entire season, where we've had a truly successful game where Reynoso was not present and not playing at his absolute best. And so until we get to that point where players like Fragapane, who can do this, step up, that I don't see how this is uh, an MLS contender as it is right now 
on July 24th. Okay. I have a response to that. It's what? uh L plus ratio plus long uh, one. He's okay, the best player okay, in the league. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> that, that's, hey, hey, it's hot take for a reason. Hot like take, I said, yeah. I respect <laughs> it. I respect it. I, I think they're, they're going to do it. They're, we're this. I actually think this team looks better than the 2019, uh, 2020 teams. I, I feel like they're playing better and I, I'll give I, you 2019. I won't give you 2020. 2020 I, was crazy. 2020 was different as well because COVID kind of that's true ruined everyone. So I I think we we were we had adjusted better than other teams in that okay. in that okay. year. But this this year we're actually looking pretty decent. And you know I I like I like the position we're in. Yes, we're very close to seventh as, as you said as well. But Still, we're 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 in third place. Hey, we yeah, have, we're, we're scoring. We're in, that's all pretty, that matters. We're scoring pretty consistently without without key players, and Dane St. Clair is still a beast. So I think. All right, all right, I, all right. I think I think we got this. Hey, I, fair I, is I'm, fair. Fair I'm, is fair. I'm optimistic. Uh, my hot, my hot takes a little shorter, uh, and that is I think Erling Holland will score. Less goals than Harry Kane, Jamie Vardy, insert whatever high-level striker you want in the Premier League, come the World Cup break. And okay. m- m- my my justification for this, because you can't have a random hot take without at least a little bit of justification. Otherwise, it's just a it's just some unfounded opinion. Uh, but that is, City have literally come out and said that part of their reasons why they got Erling Holland was that they assured him that they would not push to play him if he needed a rest or had an injury. And so, you know, he, he, he scored obviously in the friendly, but I, I don't think they're going to push him to the very limits right when he's trying to get adjusted to the league and try to blend into the team. And they have players who can fill in for him. Now, come the rest of the season when Harry Kane is tired because he, he led England to a round of 16 exit in the world to a cup group or whatever. stage exit yeah. after after they lose all three group stage games yeah I'm manifesting hopefully. it that's oh, what I'm hopefully doing. then I, I think because you know Norway is not in the world cup and he has a, a longer time to acclimate to England he's gonna go crazy off but up until the world cup break you know I, I just don't really think that C's gonna push him full disclosure I'm still gonna pick him in fantasy Premier League but still you know I, I I I think that we can see Jamie Vardy, Harry Kane, uh, I don't know, Kai Havertz score more goals than him to start off the season. People freak out and for stupid reasons. That's my hot take. Okay, that's I I think that's fair. You know, uh, he he doesn't have to necessarily look for the World Cup, but he'll get that time to adjust. And also, I think you're right about that second half of the season with. You know, while other te- while other players are going to go off, play play with their national teams, theoretically he could just train and get used to working even more with City, like. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe they'll reprogram him since we all know he's a robot. And, yes, yes. Uh, that that will be the time. That, yeah. That that's that's when the new update, uh, uh, Erling Holland 2.0 comes in. You know, or yes. 3.0, I guess. 1.0 was Salzburg. 3.0. Yeah. 2.0 Dortmund. 3.0 City. 4.0 Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Maybe All right. in my dreams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, 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 they have to, they have to switch the code from like, if Borussia Dortmund score, a uh, uh, score to mm-hmm. if Liverpool 
score. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, they, they got, they got to reprogram all the variables. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a mess. It's a real mess. That yeah. that's why it will be so erratic. He'll yeah. be on the Bundesliga code. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. And, and he'll only be scoring the champions league because you know the code the code is still there you know yeah so, yeah he'll tough. be the top scorer in the champions league but the premier league the update's not available yet you know it's yeah it's it's too late yeah yeah <laughs> all right let us go talk a little bit more about some uh women's soccer we talked about starting of course with the first story uh we have some winners of tournaments the u.s women's national team won the w championship Thanks to a one to zero win over Canada uh, from an Alex Morgan penalty goal, making it three CONCACAF W championships in a row, won by the U.S. women's national team. Now to give a, a, a brief talk about Canada, you know, they won the, the, the golden uh, medal in the Olympics last year. So obviously they're still a good team. Uh, they lost this, which means they will face Jamaica for the Olympic qualifying uh you know, playoff later on in 2023, September. Uh, so not for a while, but because USA won free qualification to, to the Olympics in 2024 in, in uh, France, Paris and Canada, I felt like played unusually down. Uh, Sinclair and Fleming were pretty quiet. The rest of the Canadian team really wasn't up to snuff. There wasn't as much edge and refinement in their game. And that allowed the, the oppressing U.S. women's national team to make their mark and be able to get the ball out of their uh, out of their feet and instead possess it really easily uh, from there on out. So I, I think Canada didn't do themselves too many favors in this case. Jack, I, I, you, you were pretty high on the U.S. women's national team throughout this tournament. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on, on them winning before I tear them apart? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I told you so. Uh, that's the first, that's the first thing, uh, I believe that that's, that's what, that's what it takes, you know, Ted Lasso believe. Uh, and I think it's kind of funny, just the parallel between this game and the, the game where the U S lost to Canada in the Olympics and semifinals. Yeah. Because they lost one to zero off of a penalty. Canada scored their penalty in the 74th minute. The U S scored theirs in the 78th. Uh, that's pretty close by you know that that's it's it's kind of it's kind of strange but you know look looking at the lineup from uh the differences in it it's really clear that the u.s came into this with a different mindset you know there 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 were a lot of different players playing in this in this game instead and it shows that you know maybe vlatko is starting to think about the future instead of just thinking about the now maybe we'll see uh, yeah. But so uh, Sophia Smith and Mal Pugh started uh, alongside Alex Morgan in the in the front three. So that that was really good to see. We saw uh, Alana Cook do really well. Uh, we saw Emily Fox from Racing Louisville do pretty well. I I liked I liked this team. I, I thought that they played very well throughout it. Canada. Yes, they had shots on target, but, you know, the U.S. had more possession. They they seemed to play pretty well overall but you know i i'm i'm happy we won because it shows that the u.s still have what it takes and maybe it was just a a bit of a a a bit of time was needed to kind of calibrate it but yes the the women's team still has a bit of a ways to go before they're back up to best in the world status probably Mm -hmm. but i feel like the signs from this game with integrating a lot of younger players in 
shows a lot of promise still. I, 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 I'm also very happy about how we did against Canada, how we were able to beat them. Still, I, th- I think Canada and USA are still very neck and neck. The fact that we had not scored o- open field goals against each other since way back when, true. before, before true. Uh, 2021. And this lineup that we, we pulled out, you know, th- this was as close to a full strength starting 11 as we'll probably get. I'd like to see in the future even more uh, diving deep into the player pool for those young players, like, you know, tr- putting more trust in like Trinity Rodman, uh, Naomi uh, Jirma, uh, Gurma. I still need to like learn how to pronounce her name. Uh, but I thought she was like one of the, the most standout players this entire uh, tournament. And you, you look on like Ashley Sanchez and, and, you know, players like that, I feel like are players that need to be looked at even more than they were in this tournament. But I want to I want to push back on the fact that that Vladko is, you know, improving this team. I mean, he is improving this team. But it's not to the standards that they need to be at. You know, I, there agree. Were, there, I there, agree. There were there were some missteps throughout this game to be expected. You know, the midfield sometimes weren't uh connecting as well pew and smith missing some shots whatever you know you look at the bigger picture and i'm not one of those people that think that the u.s women's national team in order to be successful have to be invincible if we don't win the world cup that'll be a disappointment but it's not going to be like the sign that the usa are off the perch for uh the best in the world like they don't they're not invincible they don't have to be invincible we are still undeniably the team to beat we prove that by winning against olympic gold medalist canada However, you look through this tournament and you look at the deficiencies that don't really stem from player quality because we have the USA has such high player quality that we are exporting players to different national teams, just like how France exported to uh, Africa, because we have, you know, for better, for worse, I'd say for worse, a lot of imperialism, (laughs) which leads to like, for example, my team, the Philippines getting a lot of American players. Like, the quality is there, but the cohesion, the tactics are not, you know? We, we, we struggle with breaking down low blocks, which will hurt us in the long run because if we are a good team, then any team that's not from Europe is going to be employing that, which makes it hard to, to win some of these bigger tournaments. We play with less refinement than the top four teams in the Euros this summer. That makes it hard to compete against... You know, a, a t- like when I watch the, those teams in the Euros, we're going to struggle against playing with them because I look at them and I'm absolutely impressed with the level of play that they're bringing throughout the 90 minutes. And so it's going to be an important year leading to Australia and New Zealand uh, in, in the upcoming 2023 Women's World Cup. I don't doubt that we will be contenders, but it's going to take a lot of work particularly from that team cohesion standpoint and getting the most out of what is undeniably a talented team. But again, I agree with you and I admit that you were right that they would win, but it's still not as convincing as it needs to be. And that's okay. Honestly, it, it, it's okay that, that that's a work in progress still. So we've yeah. got a year for the, before the world cup, two years before the Olympics, you know, yeah, there's still time to get, to get things sorted out, but I think the improvement from the Olympics to now is pretty visible. 
Yeah. That there has been material improvement in that, at least. It's not, you're right, it's not up to the same level as a lot of other teams. But I think, you know, when you had a team that had as much success and as high of standards as the U.S. did, any, any even the slightest step back is still going to look like a mountain down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, there's still a lot of work to do and still definitely going to be questions asked of Vlatko to see if he is actually the right person to do to get the best out of this team. But I I'm hopeful that this step in the right direction is uh, pretends better results in the future rather than this being like a peak, like the peak. Right. Right. That's that's my hope, at least. Mm-hmm. There, there's always ebbs and flows. And I think we are in a, an ebb. Are we in a flow? Which one's the better one? I don't I don't know if I don't know if there's a distinction about which one's better. There's uh, Zeniths and Nadir's, you know, Zeniths are highs and Nadir's are low. Yeah. Mountains so, and valleys. Uh, yeah, I think I think so, we're, we're, we're on the way up. We're on the way okay, up. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say. We, we fell down the mountain a little bit with the Olympics and now we're making the short yet very the not short, the long journey yeah. back up the mountain. Yeah. Uh, another uh, team that ha- has reached a-, a peak undeniably is South Africa, who has won the Women's African Cup of Nations, which mm-hmm. uh, I feel like WAFCON is a really cool uh, acronym to say. I, I like it's, saying It's that. fun to say, WAFCON. Yeah, yeah w- that, that's fun. <laughs> and this is their first time ever uh, winning one of these, despite getting to a lot of finals in since... Uh, the year 2000 they've gone to uh five finals and this is the first time that they have finally finally won and jack um, <laughs> full disclosure wafcon started uh in its current form where a, a one country hosts starting in 1998 mm-hmm. right 1991 was the first year that it really really started so since 1991 how many winners of this tournament do you think that there has been? 1991 every four years or every two years, I suppose. I'm going to guess like three. Three? Because I know Nigeria was pretty dominant in it. Jack, for... you are correct. Can you name? Can you name the other team? It'll, a little mini stat padding for you. Ooh, I think Morocco was mm, Morocco. I feel like Morocco overperformed this year. They made it to the final. Yes. Uh, Mm, I probably can't, but okay. I but I know Equatorial Guinea's been in a lot of finals, so they might be up there. I don't. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for Nigeria, Equatorial Guinea, and before South Africa. Oh, so, that, that's including South Africa. That's including. Oh, it's South including Africa. South Africa. Yeah, so yes, those yes, two. Yes. I'm gonna go with Nigeria and right. Equatorial Guinea. Jack, you are correct. In fact, oh, through okay. 2008, 2012, Equatorial Guinea. We're in three finals, okay. winning the two that they hosted. Kind of, I don't know, I don't know, kind of suspicious. Uh, but that does mean, if if you want to do the math, 2020 was canceled, that Nigeria has won the other 11 tournaments. They've been nothing <laughs> short of absolutely dominant. So there you go, there you go. N- not Nigeria. this time. Not, not this not, time. Not this time, of course. Not this time. They were beat out by Zambia in the third place game. Very, very exciting for that. Uh, but yeah, Morocco was the host, and it, it was a pretty good showing from them. You're right, they did overperform, but 
it, it, it was great. It was great from them. Uh, they fell to uh, South Africa 2-1 to one in the final. Ayane and Gislaine Chebek for Morocco. Both very good. Ayane scored in this final and also scored the winning penalty over Nigeria in the semifinal. It was really funny. Everyone was cheering. She didn't even realize that she scored the winner. She looked back at her teammates and was like, why? Why is everyone cheering? And then she, it clicked in her, in her head and she was like, oh my gosh. And they started celebrating. So that was really fun. Uh, Shabak was also the player of the tournament uh, for Morocco and for uh, the entire tournament in general. Moroccan crowd was crazy. You saw the videos hours before the final. The entire stadium was filled up, and they're already like practicing like the chants, you know, cheering up and down the uh, the the stands. It was crazy. It was crazy, but didn't stand up against South Africa's uh, Magaia, uh, who is the joint Golden Boot winner and scored a brace in the final to send South Africa to uh, the first ever trophy in the region. So very very cool. It and also it also marks the first uh, South Africa is now the first team to have won both or second team to won both the men's and women's AFCON tournaments. Really? Uh, Nigeria's yeah. never won? Uh, the, the second team to do it, uh, uh, <laughs> which the other one is Nigeria. <laughs> OK, who's, okay. Who's won both. Well, so I, they, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Cause I don't think Equatorial Guinea has really won a no. lot of men's AFCONs. If no. I'm going to have to guess, I don't think they have. I I'm. Don't think they've made it that far into many AFCONs, if I'm being yes. 100% honest. But yeah, all right. So this means that since this also doubled as their World Cup qualifying tournament, Zambia, Morocco, Nigeria, and South Africa are the auto qualifiers to the Women's World Cup. Side note before we move on to potentially some stat padding, I expected Zambia to do better. They got third place. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. I thought they could have made the final potentially. I thought they had a good showing in the Olympics last year. Jack, do you know why they potentially didn't do as well? I do not know, but I'm sure you're going to tell me right now. I, I hey, hey, Jack, you're <laughs> correct. Do you remember the name Barbara Banda? We talked about her a little bit last summer. Yes, yes, I do. She she was their leading sc- goal scorer. Scored six goals in the Olympics last year, mm-hmm. but she wasn't allowed to play in this tournament because. It's going to get a little dicey right now. Her okay. testosterone levels were higher oh. than allowed in calf. I know. I know. You were right to shake your head. It is unbelievable that the the reason why, why this happened, and I, I, forgive me for not using the right terminology, but I, calf and the Olympics and whatever, I think maybe in FIFA, have limits to testosterone levels for gender conf- confirming reasons. Basically, it's to bar trans athletes from uh, competing in the, the the gendered sport that they want to and instead to adhere to whatever gender they were born into. And that has meant that Barbara Banda, who is a, a, a cis woman, to get banned because she just so happens naturally to excrete a higher amount of testosterone than a normal quote unquote cis woman. Jack, you're shaking your head. I am right there with you. Zambia might have been in the final. They were doing pretty well. How does that make you feel other than pretty angry? Yeah, that's stupid. Um, it's to borrow a phrase from our president, Malarkey. Uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, it, 
Eh, yeah, I'll say it. It's bullshit. That's what it is. There you go. I'm sorry if, if you have to edit that out later. That's but okay. <laughs> it's, that's that's what it is. That, that's what it is. That's dumb. Uh, stop making it harder for athletes to compete in sports that they've trained their whole lives for. Stop doing it. It's ridiculous. People literally the whole stupid argument with people being like, oh, it gives them an unfair advantage. Yeah, so does having longer legs. Some like Michael Phelps, uh, the the swimmer has like longer webbings between his fingers, which allows like naturally, which allows him to swim faster. Everyone has slight advantages. Other. That's why some teams and some players are better than each other. That that's it's so dumb to arbitrarily assign it and say, oh, because this one chemical is slightly higher than what we think it should be. You're not allowed to play and represent your country. Uh, That's dumb. That is just so dumb. It, It would be like going through like the NBA and saying, "Okay, anyone over seven feet tall, you have to leave. You have too much of an advantage. You wouldn't do that, though, right? Because you understand that some genetic some people just have genetic advantages in things. And so. It's just any any time I hear stories like this, it's just garbage because it is so arbitrary what they assign to be like the things that are that that automatically disqualify them when legitimately hundreds of other factors that are also genetic make you have a technically advantage or whatever. And even then, like how much of an it I it, this this makes me want to like do an actual study on this to see like what's the actual advantage that you get yeah. out out of x amount more of testosterone like if what like it's probably close to nothing because in soccer especially it's 11 people on the field one nice. player being slightly higher with a chemical having a slightly higher level of a chemical isn't going to change the entire team by itself like zambia is already a good team clearly if they got third place, it's I, I'm going to I could keep ranting for a long yeah, time. No, but, you're uh, saying correct. It's so dumb. And uh, I I can't believe that we No, You know what? I can believe that we still do it because the world is backwards in a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, but it's that doesn't make it any less dumb. Yes, it is very dumb, and she still has a very long career ahead of her. She's only 22. She is currently on the Zambian team, the highest goal scorer. So, I mean, still, it's a very impressive tournament for Zambia to get that far, despite not having a player who is 22 and already scored 22 goals. So, it is what it is at some points, uh, but hopefully that gets figured out for the better next time. Jack, let's talk about some stat padding before we give our Euro 22 semifinal predictions. So why don't you explain to the audience what it's all about and what the rules are for this week? I'm very scared. I'm very, very scared. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So for context for this, uh, in in case anyone is wondering why AJ said uh, he's scared. Oh, I'm trying to find the, the text that that I send, but I can't find it. But I said Yo, I have a great idea for stat padding this week. You're going to you're it's going to be crazy. And that was like on Thursday, too. Like it was a while. It ago. was on like Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Uh, yeah. And so the way stat padding works is it's a quiz show. It's about statistics in soccer because I like statistics. Otherwise, you know, why would I go to a statistics conference in St. Louis for three days? But uh, so the background for this episode was AJ, you know, 
what what's one of my favorite websites that I that you saw me going on in math class all the time to look at probabilities and stuff like that? Oh, 538. 538. Yes. Yeah. 538 oh, every week releases new data sets that they've been, that they've found. And this past week, you know, since the World Cup was supposed to happen right about now, they released a data set of every single statistic from every World Cup, oh including gosh. every single player appearance, every single uh, every single match that's been played, every penalty kick that's ever been taken, everything. So I have like hundreds of spreadsheets. Oh, my but gosh. I, but I focused on just one. I focused on all of the group stage matches to create a stat padding episode that is actually <laughs> stats that I uh, that I coded in in uh, in honor of me being at a statistics and coding conference. You know, I thought I'd go through that. So I've got three top 10 tables. OK, you don't have to guess the order. You just have to name the teams in it, which wow. may be harder or less hard, but we'll, we'll see. So I've got three different stats. The first one is points per game. Points per game. What okay. what 10 teams do you think have the most points per game? And I'm going to open up a notepad on my phone so I can make sure that uh, that I that I mark these down correctly. Jack, I'm mm-hmm. going to go. Oh, by the way, before you start past and present teams. And what I mean by that is there might be countries that no longer exist. on Well, well in that case, I'm going to say West Germany right out of the gates is one. Points per game. I'll, I'll, I'll give you it because Germany is on there. Okay. Well, I was going to go with Germany anyways. Okay. Uh, but what I, I want to say is I'm going to go just with the champions because okay. I have a mm-hmm. feeling that that's a probably good bet. I'm going to go that's with a Braz- Brazil. Yep. This is just group Brazil's stage, on right? There. Brazil. Yep, this is just group stage. Italy. Uh, Italy is not <sighs> one of them. Argentina. Argentina is one of them. They are in seventh place. Uh, Germany, by the way, is in first, and Brazil is in fourth. Okay. France. France is not on there. Top 10? Yeah, I know, right? You know why? Because there's some teams that probably just made it a couple times and played Uh, very well. Yep, you're you're getting on a a smart track now. Okay. And I'm going to give you 10 guesses through here, so you've taken five. Okay. And then it'll be like, you know, a percentage of of points. So it's out of 30 points, I guess. Can I go England, Spain, and Uruguay? Are those are the, the last three champions. None, None of, them. of them. None of them are on the top 10 uh, in points per game. Points per game in the group stage. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you've, used, you've used eight guesses and you have three. Okay. So you can get 50% on this one. Can I go Netherlands? Netherlands is third. Yes. Oh. Okay. So I'm missing number two. Uh, you're missing number two. Uh, and then everything after uh, fourth. Oh, God. Okay, wait. Oh, wait, no, no. And you have Argentina at seventh. So, OK, so, so second, fifth, this. sixth and eighth, okay. eight through ten. So how, I only have one more guess. Yes. OK, I might go big brain on this. OK, uh, so the, the teams that automatically go to my head are Belgium because they're very good. Uh, it's not a guess, not a guess. Belgium. Uh, OK. Portugal okay. are like like two of like the, my top teams. And maybe they're one of them. My my big brain guess I'm kind of leaning towards okay. right now is honestly hungry and you know why it's not my guess yet yep not a lot of world cups as of recently where they have been bad but anyone who knows anything about football history knows that 
football has lived and breathed in Hungary. And it, 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 they were very good. In fact, in the early World Cups, they were runners up. So I'm going to go with Hungary as my big brain guess. That's Ron. And do you know why it's Ron? Why? Because old World Cups used to assign two points for a win. That's and one okay, point that's for a BS. draw. That's so BS. Yeah, so you you got thrown off a little bit by that. I think my logic was right though. Like your, it was there, your logic right? is right. I think if we nor if I normalized it for like you know like uh here here's the at here's the uh what the why can't I think right now like uh the the actual points that you could expect for a win at that time. Yeah, here's what you would get in terms of actual points, like top points. I need to re rerun one of these real quick. What? And, and get it. I, I coded this all by myself. So oh, wow. That's uh, crazy. Total points. Brazil is first. Argentina's second. Italy is third. Spain is fourth. England is fifth. Netherlands are sixth. Uruguay is seventh. France is eighth. West Germany is ninth. And Mexico is tenth. But in terms Mexico's of points per game, Ukraine is second with two Ukraine. points per game. Uh, Denmark is in fifth which you missed. Portugal is in sixth. Dang, I should have gone Portugal. Croatia is in eighth. And Norway is ninth and Senegal is tenth. Mm. So that's top for points per game. So you were right. You were thinking on the right logic of smaller teams who had like a few good tournaments, but don't appear at many. That that was the right logic. But for the for the first one, you got four out of ten. Okay. so let's see if you can do better on this next one. There's three tables. Remember, so. This one Gosh. is goals four per game. Goal. And, oh my gosh. Yep, goals four per game. And remember, past teams may be on this. Like t- countries that no longer exist may be on this. Goals four. In fact, I'll give you a hint. There are a few countries that no longer exist that are, that are on this. Okay. And this is just group stage again. Yep, just group do stage. You want me to, do you want me to give the top ten? Uh, yeah, top ten again. It's it's All top right. ten. So how you get ten I'm guesses? Go with Brazil. Brazil is third. Yes, with two point one goals right. per game. All right, cool. Uh, I'm gonna go with Argentina. Argentina is on, they are in tenth with one point seven five. That's close. Okay, I don't like that. Uh, I'm gonna go with West Germany. West Germany is in fifth with two point oh eight. Okay. Uh. If this is allowed, can I go with regular Germany? Uh, it is allowed, and you are correct, because they oh, are in fourth man. with 2.09, okay. just above I'm, West Germany. I'm feeling a lot better about this. Yeah, th- okay. this one's going well. You haven't gotten one wrong yet. Yet. I'm, I'm just guessing the winners <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm going right. to go with France. France is the first L you've taken on this one. They are not on this for goals for per game. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm going to stop guessing the winners, because I'm pretty sure... <laughs> England and Spain have not scored more than that and have not appeared in less. Okay. Uh, how, how many have I guessed already? You have like, guessed five, and you have four out of five so far. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Belgium. Let's go Belgium, Belgium is not one of them, no. Okay. Can I go big brain and uh, say USSR? That is one. The Soviet Union, yes, one point nine one goals per game. Let's go. And Big there brain. are a few. There, there's still another country that no longer exists that is on this list. By the way, I'm gonna go with Yugoslavia. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I probably gave you too much on that, but I, I was honestly uh, going to guess uh, them. 
Uh, okay, Yugoslavia. It has one point nine three goals per game. So uh, you are at. You've gotten six out of ten. You have two guesses left. Okay, can I go with? This is also big brain. Can I go with Mexico? Mexico is not on the list. No. All right. So you and have then, you have four potential countries left. Okay. I'm gonna uh, give you one more hint. You're gonna kick okay. yourself if you don't if you don't get if you don't get one of these. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Netherlands. Have I said that yet? You haven't, and the Netherlands is one of them. So okay. All right. Wait, was you, that the, was yeah. that the one you were alluding to? No, it's not. But okay. You you got seven out of ten on that, so that's not too bad. Seven a, a definite improvement over the first one. Uh, the ones you missed in ninth place was Portugal with okay. one point eight. I was thinking about that too. And then you missed in second place Turkey with two point six. Okay. And then in first place with two point seven five. Oh, yeah, I didn't get first place. And this is the one you're going to kick yourself on is Hungary. Ah, <laughs> because while points haven't changed in terms of, of worth, goals, goals have not. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. but you still got seven out of ten. So that's not too bad. Now, this last one. Yeah, we're, we'll, we'll do the opposite. I, I have literally seven different tables built for this. So wow. we're going to go for least goals against per game. Oh, my. So gosh. best defenses. Uh, top ten. Otherwise, if you wanted to, I could I could. I could, you could do top 10 goals against, but that might be more obscure teams. So, OK, yeah, yeah there's no way I'm doing that. So, so this is goals against per game. Yep. Goals against per game, the least goals against per game. So you're, <laughs> we're thinking the top 10 defenses, I guess, of all time. And okay. again, li- like it's been for for all of these pat countries that no longer exist may be included. OK, I'm going with. Brazil always guess them first. Yeah, Brazil is in third on this. They have conceded zero point six seven goals per game. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm gonna go with England. Always defensively pretty okay. England is actually the best of all time. Zero point six five. You have right, West okay. Ham to thank for that with Bobby Moore. You know, I know, so, I know, I do. So there you go. You, you're two for two right now. Can I go big brain and say USSR? USSR is not one of them. No, I, I thought having one of the best goalkeepers of all time. Lev Yashin, yeah, bit. but no, yeah. not 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 good enough. The the center backs in front of him weren't good enough, I guess. Okay, I think Italy is probably a good guess here. Italy is tenth. Oh wow, that's close. <laughs> yeah, with a zero point eight six goals per game, but now right. or goals against per game. So now you kind of have a range. You know that it's teams that concede less than one goal per game make this list. So. You you have to be a pretty solid defense or just not have played in many World Cups. Yeah. OK, well, I'll, I'll stick with my guns here and say Hungary. Hungary is not oh, one, one wow. of them on there, man. So you've made five guesses so far. You're three, three for five. Not too bad. All right. I'm going with Portugal. Portugal is not on here. I man. Let's see. I I'm going to give you a hint in that almost all of the rest of them are European. Almost okay. all. Well, I was probably going to guess that anyways. <laughs> uh, can I go with Turkey? Turkey is not on the list. Not doing good. Three out of six. Have, so, have, have I already said West Germany? Because I'm saying West Germany. Regular Germany is on here, but I'm going to give you it. I'll, I'll give okay. you I'll give you okay. regular Germany for West Germany because I did that already once. Yeah. 
So it, it's just yeah. you're in it now. So you know? four, four, four out of seven. You you've you can at least tie your first score. But can you do a little bit better? I will. OK, because how many guesses do I have again? You have three left. You have three, three left. left. Mm-hmm. All right. Easy. Uh, <laughs> Not easy. Can I go with. Can I go with Sweden? Yeah, Sweden, actually. Sweden is not on the list. Can I go Croatia? Croatia is not on the list and you have one guess left. All right. All right. I some of some of these are what are wild, honestly, but. All right. Well, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go for a a wild guess. I'm going to say Slovenia. There we go. It is not Slovenia. No, they're so the only the only one uh, that is outside of uh, of like um, Europe besides Brazil is Angola in second place with zero point six six goals against per game because they only played in one World Cup and played pretty well in that one World Cup, uh, at least in the group stage. Then I'm shocked you didn't guess this one since you've guessed them for everything else. The Netherlands. 0.67. 0.67. I should have. These next two were pretty surprising. Ireland and Wales in fifth and sixth. I was pretty close to guessing Wales because but I, I, I because they've o- Eastern Europe. They have also only played in one World Cup each. And then you've got East Germany in eighth, and Norway, a different Nordic country than what you guessed. Dang. So, but hey, you did get exactly fifty percent. You got fifteen out of thirty. Of, of these in the table so all right there you go you, all right you, you got 15 out of, out of 30 that's not too bad uh but yeah that that was i i saw that on wednesday when i landed and i was like i'm making stat padding tough this this week that's that's it was tough that that's what it is so maybe in the future if there's nothing else that's you know no other stats that are standing out to me i might revisit that that data set with a. Uh, a different set of statistics. Maybe, maybe we'll go with players and see which players have played the most of all time. Played the most? Yeah, I, I got a couple. Okay, I got a couple. Okay. I, I can name. Then, may, right. then maybe we'll do that, and then, and then you can see if you can beat that score. But fifteen right. out of thirty, listeners, if you were playing along, along with that, and you did better than AJ, share it on Twitter. Why not? Why not? Uh, let it, let us know on Twitter at Final Third Show. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed making that one. That was one of the most fun stat padding episodes i've had putting together just yeah. because probably actually it's pretty close to the french one i i enjoyed yeah. i enjoyed that one trying to see you translate french but uh w- we might yeah. revisit this this data set my, because there are my, quite my, literally hundreds of spreadsheets that i can choose from revisit it yeah yeah especially when you get closer to the world cup especially but jack let's stick close to international soccer and talk about the euro 2022 quarterfinals and semifinals that are yet to come quarterfinals just concluded they they did one a day which i kind of uh enjoyed because it allowed me to kind of digest it very easily uh we had england beating spain two to one sweden beating belgium one to zero they'll face off in the semifinals and the other side of the bracket germany versus austria a two to zero win for germany and france versus netherlands one to zero germany and france will face off and so let's talk about who we think is going to make it to the final from these semifinals, what we saw from the quarterfinals that we liked or didn't like. Jack, I know you didn't, you weren't able to watch these 
as closely as you probably would have wanted to because you were very busy at a professional conference. Uh, but I do want to hear your thoughts, especially about that France and Germany game. So who do you think of these two teams is going to be making it to the, the Euro finals? It's tough because these are two very good teams. Uh, Germany have been very good over this tournament, have not conceded a goal yet during this tournament. And have scored at least two goals a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they've been very impressive this game. Uh, I... I've I've I think they've really shut both of us up during this tournament when we said yeah. we thought they were a little bit a little bit further behind where they were. Uh, but they have proved everyone wrong in that. France, on the other hand, has conceded three goals during this tournament, all in the group stage. And from what I could tell, from what I saw from the Netherlands game, they didn't look incredibly comfortable during during that game. It took them until the 102nd minute with a penalty for them to take down the Netherlands. And the Netherlands are very good, yes. But I still think that they should have done maybe a little bit better than, than they were playing. And, you know, part part of that is that uh, Marie Antoinette Contoto is out still with injury. And they don't have as many strikers. They also didn't start uh, Grace Gayoro, who I don't think even appeared in this game and wasn't even in the squad, which... Not good. I think she might also be injured, which takes out almost all of their goal scorers, honestly, right. for this entire tournament. Uh, so I I feel like in the in this game between the two of them, Germany has an incredible defense and an incredible offense. France has a much more weakened offense and a defense that is pretty good, but isn't as good as Germany's. And... You can tell where I'm leading with this, I think. You're going against your heart here. I am. I am. And it's tough. But France right now, with if if uh, if Grace Gayoro and Marie Antoinette Cototo are not back for this game, I don't exactly know where the goals come from, from France. Okay. Whereas Germany, it's pretty clear where the goals are coming from. Because there's been a consistent score uh, scorer for them. Alexandra Pop scored in legitimately every game so far. Like every every I, I think I think I'm correct in that that she's scored in every game. I'm checking to make sure. Checking my work. You are yeah. correct. Scored in every single game. Four games in a row. Uh that's tough to do. And she just always seems to get in scoring positions. Uh and I I think that Germany are proving that they are not uh, a, like they are not a force to be or they are a force to be reckoned with. Yes. They are yeah. not a force you want to come up against, I should mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm I've been really impressed with Germany this entire tournament yeah. because out of all of the knockout round matches, they were the only ones who didn't look like they were uncomfortable at any point in time yeah, during the time. It was a very comfortable win it, for them. It was. Whereas like games like England versus Spain, England very went to extra time. Yeah, England went to extra time. Spain scored right at the end of the of uh, or was it England? England scored right before mm-hmm. the end of uh, the end of regulation. France got taken to extra time. And even in the games that the game that didn't go to extra time, Sweden scored in the 92nd minute to beat Belgium and Belgium. I mean, Sweden deserved that 3.86 expected goals to 0.09. But still, like. 
it shows how close all of these games were, yeah. except Germany. And they're looking really good. Yeah. Uh, so I would not be surprised if Germany moves on to the final. I am right there with you. I think you can look at Austria as being an easy opponent, but they definitely uh, punched above their weight this entire tournament. So I, I'll, I will not hold that against Germany at all, especially when they beat Spain 2-0 to zero in the group mm-hmm. stage. They handedly won against Finland and Denmark. You know, especially Denmark, who I think is a a, a pretty decent team, all things considered, fourteenth uh, in the in the FIFA rankings. So Germany has done amazingly this entire tournament, and France, to their credit, has done well in their group and you know won uh, against the Netherlands. But I think when you compare the two teams, Germany is just on better form, and France was just so out of depth against the Netherlands that it seems pretty clear that Germany has to be the favorite here. France faced 33 shots, 13 of those on target, or sorry, they fired 33 shots. So they, you know, they, they were getting the balls off. They were getting shots off and they only faced one shot on target, but they just won by one goal. A penalty goal. Exactly. And so the Netherlands center back, uh, Dominique Janssen, said after the game, quote, they had a few big chances, but defensively we stood up well. It was hard to attack because we had to put a lot of energy into defending. And so, first of all, the Netherlands did a great job uh, defending. But part of the reason why they couldn't get a lot of attack going was because they were doing a lot of defending. You look at Germany, that won't be the case. They are naturally good at defending. And as we've seen, they couldn't put some attack into, into energy into the attack because it's pretty balanced, all things considered. France, if they want to go on, have to be clinical. But after losing key players, after not having a great performance against the Netherlands, who, to be fair, it is the Netherlands, right? They are reigning champions of this tournament. It's not like they're a bad team, but it's going to be very, very hard for France to step up against a Germany side who has done everything that they are weak to very, very well. And so I will also go with Germany, but I am going to kind of cover my butt right now and say it's going to be like a a penalty win or something, something very, very close, just so in case France does win, as I, I thought that they could potentially win the entire tournament, I won't look as bad. Uh, and now we go to Sweden and England, uh, one of which, England, I was kind of bad-mouthing at the beginning of the, the tournament. Now I have to swallow my pride. But Jack, who are you taking when it comes to Sweden versus England? Well, these two teams are both very, very good because Sweden uh, topped their group, and it, with which included the Netherlands. Uh, Switzerland and Portugal, not as tough of competition, but they still topped the group and did so pretty impressively with a plus positive six goal differential and then they took on Belgium who despite only winning one to zero they did dominate with peppering in shot after shot 44 total shots nine of those shots on target or 33 total shots I don't know why I said 44 Hmm. Uh, different repeating number 33 total shots nine of which are were on target about just over 25 percent of those shots on target then that that's really impressive stuff from them uh belgium couldn't put a shot on target their defense was solid throughout uh and sweden just looked pretty impressive i think at least defensively 
it was just in that final in in the final delivery and you know in the actual like trying to shoot to score they were lacking a little bit so they were lacking a little bit of that sharpness but they did dominate that entire game england uh england on the other hand uh had a very back and forth game as we mentioned with spain very back and forth uh because uh, Esther Gonzalez scored first, and then Ella Toon tied it up in the 84th minute, and then in the 96th minute, Georgia Stanway scored the winner of that game. Great and goal! They won- yeah, yeah, great, great goal. It, it was like it was pretty far out as well. It was well. pretty like, far out. It, it was it was a pretty impressive strike, uh, but yeah, they they made they made it through, and I feel like a lot of that has to do with that home crowd because we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Before the tournament, like a lot of England's success is going to depend on how much their fans come out to support them. And they definitely have. They have shown up at every single one of these games, 30,000 in attendance at the Amex Stadium in Brighton for this game against Spain. And I, I feel like the crowd helped them push through that tough time where they were where they were down a goal. Right. Like yeah. and, and help them get back up. Sweden is a very tough opponent. There's no doubt about that. But in like every every single metric uh, throughout this tournament, I feel like Engl- we talked about this last week as well. England is just dominating in it. You know, they're in goals per match, four goals per match. They they've only conceded one goal against a let's face it, a pretty good Spain side. Uh, they have the second highest average possession after Spain. They have the second most clean sheets. They have the most expected goals in the tournament. They have 7.5 shots per target. Create, created 13 big chances. Uh, they're, they're, they put together 32.5 accurate long balls per match. 7.3 accurate crosses per match. Like, they, they are dominating in a lot of really important metrics. Mm-hmm. And because of that, and because of the home crowd really showing up for them, uh, I can't remember where this game is being held in particular. I uh, Sheffield, uh, Sheffield at Bra- mm-hmm. at Bramall Lane. Okay, yes. I I think I think England will win this, but it'll be pretty close. Okay, I think Sweden will be their toughest test so far because Spain was good off uh, was good, but Sweden is in really good defensively so far yeah. this tournament. So I. I think that it'll be a pretty tough challenge to go against Sweden, but I think with the home crowd and just given some really standout performances by their players, I think England will just will just make it through, setting up, for me at least, in my eyes, an England v. German final, yeah. which is intense rivalry, right? So mm-hmm. that, that would be entertaining to watch. I think for sure it's going to be England versus... Germany or France again I'm still kind of fence sitting on whether it's going to be Germany okay. or France but I, I really think it's going to be England I'm, I think I'm even a little bit higher on England since uh the, the group stage concluded than you just because I mean Sweden Sweden to their credit are, are a good team they've employed a 4-2-3-1 since uh Black Stenius has come back but like I said it, it did take a last minute goal from them to get through Belgium but they have good players, you know, Rolfo thinks one of the best for them in the tournament, along with uh, Natalie Bjorn, who found a defender, a Sembrandt for that uh, one to zero goal. 
But I think Sweden's big strength right now is that they have a lot of goal scorers. Uh, their nine goals that they scored have come from eight different players, and a lot of that comes down to set pieces. So I think in order to beat England, who has a very, very good defense, the attack needs to step up because uh, you look at uh, the English defense and the way that they handled Spain, especially after uh, the goal was scored and how they were able to kind of shut down uh, the Spanish chances from there on out. I mean, you look at uh, uh, their captain, you know, Williamson and Bright and Rachel Dolly of the uh, uh, Houston Dash, who after getting spun a lot, was able to kind of find her uh, find her feet before getting uh, subbed off for Alex Greenwood. Bronze as well. Very good defense, who I think could handle Sweden a little bit more. Uh, But beyond that, you you mentioned the home crowd. I was watching the game against Spain, and what what really struck out to me is that it was a back-and-forth game. Spain was winning off the XG battle up until the goal was scored. But but once, the the second uh, that England was able to to equalize off of that tune goal, the momentum, like it was like Spain, like shut down. And yes, they are a very young team, missing some key players. Have never won a knockout match in, in the Euro history, so they are against they were against like the, their history, despite being number nine uh, ranked in the world. Uh, but it was just the the momentum was knocked out of them, and you heard the England crowd, who was like kind of tepid a little bit after they went down, just erupts like it was crazy they, they started singing it's coming home like the chants were going on and it was like it gave me goosebumps a little bit to see like that much support a for uh, a side in general but especially for a woman's side who has every right to claim that they are contenders for this tournament and so just based on that and how they're able to respond i'm I, I, i'm i'm going with with england here the one caveat being that the normal front four needs to step up against spain who had you know so and so defenders uh, towards the end of the the, the game, uh, the normal front four for England was, in my opinion, not very good. White, nothing really there. Kirby couldn't really create stuff. Uh, Mead and Hemp on the wings, you know, it, it took until Toon got subbed on in order for things to happen. And Alessio Russo, who's a very good player, who has a case to start uh, assisted uh, th- that goal to equalize right and so if they want england want to continue having a cohesive front four whoever is going to be part of that front line needs to be able to step up because you can't have a last minute winner decide whether or not you go to the final you have to be a little bit more cohesive and constructive than that so england versus either germany or france is my opinion I feel very strong at England. We're gonna win. I'll leave it there. Okay. I I I think I think regardless of who is in the final, I, I feel like England will make it on one side. But if it's Germany or France in the final, it'll be an entertaining game regardless because so both too. of those are pretty intense rivalries between the two sides. So England and Germany, England and France, those would be. I mean, France versus Germany is already a pretty a pretty big yeah. rivalry. So that. This this tournament has given us some pretty fantastic games. Jack, your 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 heart says England versus Germany, or your head says England yeah. versus Germany. What does your heart say? It, it says France versus England, obviously, okay. because that's what I want to see happen. I would love to see France win the Euros. I would love to see it. All right, but 
I, I, I literally spent the past three days at a conference using my head, so I'm going to go with my head for now. <laughs> All right. All right. Jack, let's end off uh, this episode, this Monday uh, News and Predictions episode, uh, with some transfer hot or not, where I tell Jack a transfer that's happening right now. It's either wrapped up or is in the process of potentially happening. And he tells me that transfer is hot for all parties, players and clubs, or if it's not hot and it's cold. And yeah, we have six transfers here uh, that, that we got to talk about. And Jack, I'm put, I'm gamifying it once more. I'm putting 45 seconds on the clock. We can talk a little bit afterwards, but your justifications for these have to be under 45 seconds or else they'll go like, ah, ah. I'll stop you. Jack, the first one is Zinchenko, Ukraine international, former city left back. 30 million pounds plus 2 million add-ons. Didn't play as much this past season, but was a defensive piece for many of City's title campaigns. Jack Zinchenko to Arsenal Football Club. Is this hot or not? This is a hot transfer. I, you, I, we both know. We both know. I think we both rate Zinchenko pretty highly. Very highly. Uh, and Kieran Tierney is very good for Arsenal, but almost always injured, it feels Yeah, he's like. good when he's healthy. Yes, exactly. So having Zinchenko there is great he can also play in midfield which can be helpful for arsenal so i i think that this is a really good transfer uh pretty cheap uh given what i thought he might go for but i think it's a very very hot transfer uh yeah it's it's really good (laughs) i don't know i i'm i'm gonna just keep repeating myself if i if i say that but yeah all right yeah well you're still under time congratulations jack there we go uh this is great for city uh to give a a different perspective who bought him for i think 1.5 million pounds this is a a great bit of profit for also a position that they are pretty well covered in Uh, it's also huge for arsenal who get a progressive minded inverted left back if they want that they need to get the most out of the squad or someone who can play in the midfield like you mentioned. In my opinion, I think Arsenal have had what like one of the best transfer windows in football this season. It's like them, Tottenham and Barcelona for just like the transfers that they brought in, period. Right? All the holes that they need to fill up, they've filled up. Attacking midfielder, they got Fabio Vieira. They need a, a good backup goalkeeper, Matt Turner. They need a good striker now, Gabriel Jesus. And now left back, who, you know, they need somebody. Zinchenko. Perfect. I think that they're going to be great this season. All right, Jack. Somebody that we have talked about actually going to like at least three different clubs at this point, but now is officially at a club. Jesse Lingard, former Manchester United star, has moved to newly promoted Nottingham Forest on a one-year deal. 80k to 120k is his wages with bonuses. Kind of struggled to get playing time, uh, I think has only played at maximum or on average, like a third to one half of the seasons that he has been a part of teams, but still very good player. Jack, Jesse Lingard to newly promoted Nottingham Forest, hot or not. Uh, This is a pretty hot transfer. I'm not sure of the details on the wages because I feel like they might be kind of high, but Nottingham Forest lost Philip Zinkernagel, uh, that uh to Olympiacos, I believe, is where is where he went to. And Zinkernagel was very influential in their attack, created a lot of chances. They needed someone who could create for them. And I think Jesse Lingard, while you know, he might not be at his top level, is still undoubtedly very good and has a lot left to give for a team. And I think Nottingham Four is picking him up on a free transfer 
is a solid piece of business and shows that Nottingham Forest are serious about trying to stay up, like getting a, a former England international. I mean, who knows? Maybe he could. I mean, he's been pretty recently in the side, but that that's a good that's a pretty good piece of business. It's not it's not the hottest transfer because I'm not sure about the wages, but I feel like it's still pretty warm. It's pretty it's pretty warm up there. Yes, yes, I agree. I, I also think it is a uh, pretty warm, all things considered. Uh, I, I know that I was spoken pretty poorly on him coming to like West Ham or MLS, but that was under the the circumstances that those are like title, not title for for uh, West Ham, but uh, in case of like LAFC, a title wanting team, or in the case of West Ham, someone that wants to push for Europe, those wages are a bit high. But for a newly promoted team, this is a this is a bold move. This is a, a swing for the fences, a show of intent. It's only a one year deal, so either either he stays and the wages are justified, or he leaves because they got relegated. You know, and Steve Cooper, who did really well with Swansea City, is a good coach, and he knows that this Forest side need a number ten to carry on the counterattacking style that they will be relying on. And so this side is not full of stars. This is going to be their quarterback for this season, and I think the wages are justified. Because of that fact, because they're a newly promoted side, it's not going to ruin their wage structure. And I think that they will do better with Jesse Lingard than they would without him. I'm not going to say anything about them staying up because that's a future episode. Jack, let's talk about uh, another talisman, so to speak. Tanti Castellanos, formerly now of NYCFC, moving to Girona FC, the best player of the past year in MLS, top of every advanced stat. He won the Golden Boot last season, was now leading uh, the Golden Boot this season with 13 goals uh, through July. He's moving to Girona FC, also in City Football Group, which own NYCFC, so kind of a, a redistribution of allocations, I suppose. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's a loan move, but he's, you know, the loan is from like Manchester City, so he's not going to come back to NYCFC anytime soon. Jack, is this move hot or not? I, I've heard some people be kind of shocked about this, thinking he would go higher, but I think this is a pretty hot transfer still. I, I think a lot of some mistakes that some players make is going from MLS to like a huge team too quickly, and that can really hamper their progress. I, th I think moving to Girona is actually a pretty good deal. Like Girona, people are like, oh, that's a relegation threatened team. They're still not terrible in Spain. Like, I, I think that they're pretty solid and they have money because they're in City Football Group. I think it's a good opportunity for Castellanos to prove himself in Europe and in Spain. And I, I think he'll be a pretty important player for them. So I think it's a pretty hot transfer. Not the hottest transfer ever uh, because, yeah, I'm sure he could play at a higher level, but. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. Was that the uh, signal for going over? Yeah, that was, I weighed my hand just randomly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yes, I, I know that that this would be a good move for him to show off his skills. But also, I felt like he could have gone for a mid-table La Liga club at the very least. Like, the price tag was $15 million. I'm surprised no club got him for that much i think that would have even been a bargain like I, I look towards a club like not saying that they need him but villarreal or real batiste as the type of club that would ha take him based on reputation and instead he goes to a newly promoted club like i think that is kind of cold for him i think it's uh, warm for Girona fc who get a good striker 
but also sucks for NYCFC because uh, they lose him and he's been undoubtedly their best player throughout the entire uh, MLS Cup campaign. And to lose him for free, despite uh, Heber doing very well, kind of sucks. So, yeah. Jack, this is one that I'm sure you don't want to hear, but it's Koundé to Barcelona. It looked like he was going to Chelsea. Still probably might. Still could. Uh, but it's now reported by Gerard uh, Romero that the deal Fraud. to Barcelona is 99% closed for north of 55 million euros. Jack, is this transfer hot or not? I'm going to go slightly longer on this one just because. Okay. First sure. of all, Gerard Romero, fraud. He said this for days. It, I don't believe it until Fabrizio Romano says anything like it. And just, uh, I think this is cold uh, because Barcelona don't have money. They, they don't. They, they, it's all fake money. It's Monopoly money. They, they're just, they've bought Monopoly sets and are just paying players in Monopoly money. It's like a voucher. Like they owe all of their players money. It's not just De Jong they own money. They own PK, like, tons of money still. Like, even more than De Jong. Like, it, it's, it's a bad deal. It's a bad deal. And to speak directly to, to Koundé. Koundé. Il n'est pas un toi. Barcelona n'a pas d'argent. S'il vous, vous plaît, allons-y à Londres et signer pour Chelsea. Nouveau, nouveau amirance, Koundé. Nouveau amirance. Nous, nous pouvons vous donner en position de, de départ. Barcelona ne peut pas. Ne peut pas. They cannot. <laughs> they cannot. That's the, that's the underlying message. And if you're curious about what that means, they won't love you at Barcelona. They won't. They don't have any money. They're broke. Please come to London and sign for Chelsea. We would love you. We would appreciate you. We can give you a starting position. Barcelona can't. Barcelona can't do anything. That's that. That's that's my message. That's my message. I feel so, like Koundé would start for Barcelona. No, they won't. They they won't. They they do too many other things. They they don't don't tell them that. Don't don't all undermine right, my right, message. Right. I'm not going to advocate for Barcelona here. Of course not. Uh, but I, I think Koundé, Barcelona have hurt me too much this this window, man. I I can't. <laughs> Koundé would be a very good move for either of these teams based solely on sporting merits. You've already said about the financial parts about Barcelona. But he, I mean, he's good on the ball. He's really good mm -hmm. on the ball. He fits Barcelona's system perfectly. He's played very well for Sevilla. And after their attacking additions, the main question mark was with defense. They brought in Christensen, but Koundé changes like the average amount of points that they can get per season, like a lot. He really changes the needle there. And I think that's the same with uh, Chelsea, right? Uh, I'm guessing he'd start Koulibaly, Koundé, and then who? Silva. Who Thiago Silva. Silva. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that's a that's a good back three for those center backs there so either side will would love to have him and i'm sure he would love to go to either side so yeah except if he's thinking with his head with financials but it's so clear that of top players like aren't thinking about that and the amount of pull that barcelona real madrid just have despite having being, no money yeah yeah <laughs> That's crazy to me. It's so it's so dumb, too, because they're like, we have no money. That's why we need the Super League. And now they're like, what if we signed everyone? Yeah. Like, come on. Pick Reminds one. Pick one. Spanish yeah. clubs. That's that's what that's what I'm going to say. Reminds me of a lot of corporations. Anyways, let's talk about <laughs> Dybala moving. And we talk about him moving to Inter Milan. He's actually moving to Roma. He's moving on a free there. Uh, like I said, potentially uh, would have moved to Inter, but after a pretty good seasons with uh, 
with Juventus getting 82 goals and 37 assists. He moves on to the Italian capital. Jack, Dybala to Roma, hot or not? Honestly, I think this is the hottest transfer that, we, that we've talked about so far. I, I really do. And the reason why is I believe Mkhitaryan left Roma. I believe he's yes. left Roma. So they needed someone who can play behind a striker to feed in to, uh, you know, one of their best players last season, Tammy Abraham, or play alongside him. Dybala, yes, he's been deployed as a like a nine at Juve, but he plays best like just behind the striker supporting them. He scored 10 goals last season in 26 starts. I think this would be a great combination at Roma and getting him on a free from a rival is a pretty good deal. He's 28 as well. He's in his prime. I think this is a very hot transfer. I really like it. Yeah. All right. All right. I 100% agree. I think this is such an underrated signing. Like it, when you imagine him and Abraham linking up, that's like a top 10 duo in the game right now, especially with Mourinho, who I think, you know, has loved his duos in the past. He's going to nurture that duo for sure. Uh, if he stays fit, I think it's the major question mark. If anything, uh, it's going to be a very scary slide. If he can't, then it's going to be a, a little bit of a, a tough move to see. But honestly, the the, the main the main per, uh, team that I see like really beating themselves up right now is Inter, who not only didn't get him, but see him strengthening a top four contender, which kind of sucks for them. But I've always been high on him, and I think that like Roma are going to be the team to watch after winning the Conference League last season. All right, Jack, let's finish off with. You know, there's a lot of West Ham transfers going around, but the one that seems the closest to actually happening is Skamaka? Skamaka? Skamaka, I believe. Skamaka. Nah, not even close, know. whatever. Who knows? To, to West Ham, <laughs> uh, moving for a reported 36 million uh, euro fee with 6 million add-ons. He's a striker who scored 16 goals for Sassuolo in Serie A last season. Jack, the 23-year-old, moving to West Ham, my team, hot or not? I think it's a pretty hot transfer. He overperformed his XG by uh, 4.5 goals, scored 16 in 25 starts. Th those are pretty solid numbers. Uh, and presumably for like the first season, he'll be back up to uh, Antonio. But I'm sure throughout this season, he'll be kind of more integrated in as a starting striker, which I think is a perfect move to to get him in because. We all know sometimes players don't adapt right away to the Premier League. So I think this is a really good transfer. Uh, he looks like a promising younger talent as well with clearly some good some good play. It's pretty bad for Sassuolo because they've lost a lot of solid players mm -hmm, to right. other teams recently. But I think this is a this is a good move, especially for West Ham. All right, cool. Obviously, I'm going to agree. I'm very excited about this. Uh, this lessens the likelihood that we go for Broja, even though they've been a clear that they'll they'll at least try to get both. Uh, but I think this is awesome. I think it's exactly what we need for a striker. I mean, sure. <laughs> he can hold the play. He could link up with runners like Bowen and Ben Rama on the wings. I'm very excited about this. It's a home run if we can get him. Uh, and I think, yeah, you're right. David Moyes especially is very like patient when it comes to get getting players uh, adapted to uh the premier league so i think we could see him kind of get some sub minutes but you also don't sign someone for 36 million up to 42 million just to have them ride the bench for a season you want to get them as involved as quickly as possible 
as long as they are adapted. And I think at this point, we just need some maybe some more depth in places. But the main point that West Ham need right now is left back. And with potentially Kostic, which I, I a don't know why he would come here and B don't even think that would be a good fit. I don't even know why we'd want him to play at uh, left back. No, no. Yeah, exactly. To play at left back. Like this man is a this man is a, a like bona fide like winger. He is. a He's very much a winger. He is. Hey, for, for hey, hey, if West Ham is looking for a left back, boy, do I have a prospect for you? His hey. name is Marcus Alonso. He's a hey. promising young uh, talent uh, in the land of make believe. Uh, so, you know, he's uh, he, he's really great. And pro- honestly, you will pay you to take him. It's fine. No, uh, so how about how about I take that Chilwell fella? He seems kind of mm, cool. No, I I don't think he's available. No, uh-huh. but Alonzo, Alonzo for free. Alonzo for free. <laughs> oh man, oh man. Uh, no, I'll uh, say that. I'll say sorry, that. Chelsea. I tried. I tried. Uh, I, I tried yeah. my best. Yeah. Anyways, Jack, that is it for transfer hot or not. That's it for the episode. So, Jack. If you want to hear more about the episode going beyond what we just said in this here hour and a half, where can people find us? Uh, they can find us on Twitter at Final Third Show. You know, tweet at us if uh, if we got it completely wrong on a transfer. Uh, tweet tweeted us about how Barcelona at, is about to activate their 17th economic lever. You know, yeah. uh, let let us know if we missed that uh, after after all the, all the lever talk last week uh let let us know if you if you beat aj in the in the world cup historical standings video uh like section if you did uh i i guess uh you have elite ball knowledge there that, yeah. that's that's the standard aj is the benchmark for elite I, ball knowledge I, so, I, I, uh, let's not have that be the benchmark i i'm gonna i'm going to i'm gonna honor you and say say it is you know that okay all right i'll, all right. I'll give it to appreciate you it, and appreciate uh, it. uh as always just follow us on twitter to see uh any more hot takes that we have on soccer final third show.com one stop shop all things soccer uh catch us on this thursday's deep dive episode for whatever it might be it might be a look ahead to the chicago uh, trip that we're going on even though we can also talk about that uh, after we go to the games. It could be a Premier League preview. Who knows what it's going to be? We're, we, we're going to do that eventually, whether it's this week or next week, since, since the season is very quickly approaching. Very, very scary. I can't believe that I have to get my fantasy Premier League lineup all, all set done after this. Uh, but yeah, we'll see you guys same time, same place for next week's news and predictions episode, maybe live from Chicago. And yeah, tell your friend about the show. I'm sure he would love to hear about how South Africa won WAFCON. Tell your dad about the show. I'm sure he'd love to see us debate whether or not France or Germany are going to make it to the Euro 22 finals. And yeah, we'll see you guys same time, same place next week. See ya. Bye for now.